Arg, Grog. Hey everyone, it's the Sideship Podcast with me, Peter Fickling and Matthew Weir. Carrie's away, she's in Seville, eating her own weight in Iberian pig cheeks, isn't that right, Matthew? Yeah, she is. You've seen the photos, right? One of the pictures Matthew sent me, there's a like, a, I mean, without exaggeration, 12 pig legs hanging over the bar. So it's very much Casa del Warbis, her spiritual home. Yeah, we get those um, in the supermarket here, those nice little carvey stations. In some of them anyway, in the fancier ones. Mercadona, the Spanish supermarket, there's always someone ready to carve up a, a pig cheek, a pig cheek, a pig leg for you. And that's one of the things that's going to be going up in price, apparently, anyway, let's, let's try to, we, we need to keep all the positivity we, we've got for this week, Matthew, because, um, and what is it? If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So anyway, that was a great podcast. Um, Matthew, what's the, <laughs> what's the Facebook, what's the Instagram? It's- oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're saying you didn't enjoy it. I mean, essentially the Archers this week was the Archers and everyone yeah. seems to have been quite disgusted at that. Yeah, if you, you know, it, I guess they did, it's Ron Seal, right? They did what they said on the tin. You got the Archers, full fat, uh, without apology. It was, it was very much the Archers. Uh, I, I didn't enjoy it, but I'm, I'm, I have been desperately trying to find some positives for today. And if only because all the moans I've got, I've said a thousand times before. And whilst um, repetition has never been something I've avoided in the past, I was going to try not to be too boring about it today. Well, with the exception of maybe Monday's episode in the immediate aftermath and the deflation of the fact that the cl- Sunday's cliffhanger wasn't all that, yeah, uh, I found it quite calming this week. It didn't bother me that much. Some of the characters seemed to be going in a loop, and it was very obvious what they were doing with Pip and Josh at each other's throats, the whole succession thing, who's going to take responsibility. David and Ruth have this shock to the system which makes them well david just seems to have gone into some kind of philosophical bubble hasn't he where he's questioning everything yeah he's disco day full time now yeah ruth just wants beans on toast um and they're curled up watching i don't know death in paradise or something on the tv while pip and josh are fighting outside in the rain do you think it's the the end game for a very a, a very long plot that I hadn't even realised was running, where sort of um, actually um, all of this squabbling between Pip and Josh that we've been hearing over the last couple of years actually was leading up to this moment where David and Ruth very kind of dramatically hand over the baton. You know, we got that was the it was a line in the sand this week. We it is going to be the, the pish, pish and job. <laughs> <laughs> That's them. <laughs> significantly better names in terms of how i think of them um but yeah pish and jop uh, are going to are going to be running the farm now and we should get used to hearing a different place for david and ruth in there in you know how we hear them well that's what they've teased haven't they but there's yeah. also the point where david said he you know ruth certainly didn't want to give it up she wanted to be out there in the muck and the rain helping pip david was a little bit more um he was a little bit more chilled about all of that. But the kids said it themselves, that they didn't see David and Ruth giving up Brookfield for another 15 years, which caused uh, low-level hysteria on Twitter, the thought <laughs> that that's going to be happening. But hopefully we're going to have a transition of power over a shorter period of time. A quick one, please. Um, I mean, Because I am interested in the farming side of things, like the rewilding has captured my imagination. I mean, when Adam first sort of trailed things like, you know, the herbal lay, I was kind of, you know, I mean, 
there is a sort of there is a reason why we tune into a rural soap opera rather than i mean i'm not saying it's and or you know you can be a cory fan and a uh, an archers fan but you know for me it's just the archers and so there's, there's obviously something about the, the, the general alchemy that attracts me but i you know i just it, i think what it is is the earnestness it's when it becomes super sincere and i have to say i will more of that with ben and his nursing later but when they're sort of really taking you know what that whole episode with the cow it was just too much for me it's like come on guys you can't expect us as listeners to care this much about a cow no, but it's it's a metaphorical cow, isn't it? For them pulling together, working together, and maybe that's the future of Brookfield. I, I feel the same way about the metaphorical cow as I do about the actual cow. <laughs> All of this was spawned from Sunday night's car crash, in inverted commas, accident, with David and Ruth swerving or hitting a deer on the way back from Vince Case's winter blues party. First of all, Peter, how do mm. you feel about a party hosted by Vince Casey with no Vince? Ain't no Casey party without a Vince Casey. Well, he was obviously outside fiddling with David's brakes, I think. <laughs> yeah, oh, that would, because that was, who was it who said that? Was it you or Kerry who pointed out that um, Vince had originally been trailed as a kind of rather sort of. Um, shadowy almost gangster type figure yeah ruthless businessman who kind of like operated in the you know the, the margins look at what we've got he's he's got himself under the table at lower loxley with elizabeth he's planted beth into brookfield with ben and then he invites the parents up to his house and mysteriously they have a crash on the way back from the party yeah, but Vince is competent though, isn't he? And Vince, if Vince is going to off David, David's going to be offed. Well, I felt Iris only popped in to see if there had been any suspicion about Vince's involvement. I, I would be over the moon if it turns out that um, basically um, Vince was Vince was um, bombed out of uh, Birmingham in the Second World War and went to stay in Ambridge as a young child and was forced to stay in one of the homes of the archers and was so badly mistreated he swore an eternal um, pact with the devil that he would get his vengeance by any means necessary providing you know satan gave him the means and the, a life of luxury to to go alongside it and here he is decades later ready to reap his cruel and unrelenting um, revenge on the on the um, you know soon to be you know destroyed archers clan you're listening, BBC. Kick the agricultural storyline advisor from the payroll. <laughs> Give Peter the job. Uh, this week's Satan advisor was Peter Victor. <laughs> um, ham, ham and sausage advice from Kerry Warbis. We, what, would, what would you be, Matthew? What sort of? Uh, what would you be? What... I don't know. Bad puns. I'll write. I'll write all of Kenton's scripts. Actually, you would. Yeah, you'd be fantastic. I mean, just wheel you in. For certain characters, who would you do? You do Kenton. You would be doing. Um, I mean, you'd you, you'd be quite useful for a bit of the kind of a Linda, uh, so Lillian and Linda badinage as well. They sometimes go. They, there's there's some sometimes some cunning wordplay when they're um, going at it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, th I think that could be our our correct allocations within the within the firmament. So there no no Vince at the party. No. Um, Iris is giving them the tour. They were originally quite sniffy about what they would expect. At... Yeah, that irritated me. Ruth sort of said what you were saying. She caught herself being a snob and then kind of made a kind of pathetic excuse for it. 
Yeah, she said, we'll be complaining about new money next. It's like, well, that's exactly what you've done in the last four examples that you've listed. And yeah, Iris was giving them the tour of the, the I thought she said the, the Casey Kazi, first of all, but it was actually the Casey Kaza, wasn't it? Which I think I, 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 I may have dubbed it Kaza Casey a long, long time ago. But anyway, they actually were quite bowled over by the by the actual venue itself, the house, weren't they? And then there was this whole moment where David's on the way there in the car. He doesn't want to go, does he? Ben's got out of it. Yeah. Because uh, he's got his first, he's on his first shift at Borsuch General the next day, wasn't it? Is, is Ben a nurse, is he? Is he a nurse? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I, no. I should mention it more. Um, sorry, yeah. So he, Ben's out It's of very it. subtle. <laughs> David said uh, he was trying to, he was Ill, still hoping he could turn the car around, wasn't he? Because he said, I can't service the pulsators tomorrow with, without my full eight hours sleep, which is also, I think it's a direct lyric from a fall song as well. So I think he was just quoting that. That's, it also sounds like the name of the robots in Flesh Gordon as well. Yeah. Flesh Gordon and the pulsators. Yeah, that's worth a rewatch. We'll do a double bill, um, Flesh Gordon and Highlander together. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll that, that, that actually, yeah, that's, that is that is locked in if and when you're in london with that's um you know i'm charlotte if you're listening that's happening sorry and <laughs> it's me and a date will be locked in the front row disappointed with the car crash i think everyone was i mean so let's be kind about it you could be disappointed because they'd set up this opportunity for some high drama that corner of the village has been really quite dull for a long time like nothing has really happened not since um uh um ruth's affair that wasn't so so just from a dramatic point of view that was a bit of a letdown it's like oh the the, the drama was david and ruth have three days bed rest uh and also we you know and ben gets a chance to shine as a nurse you know on on camera on mic which consisted of him putting hot water bottles in their bed oh. yeah he's he's very much the um he's very much the uh, uh mid-table physio of um, nurses and he run on with a spray and then everyone magically leaps their feet. But, um, but you know, but sorry. So that's the kind of kind version. The Krulik version is what we wanted David or Ruth or both to die. That's what we wanted all of them to have hit one of their children. Um, I mean, I was, I, when I listened on Monday, I was uh, upset's an unpleasant word. I was disappointed that um, Ruth wasn't at least in intensive care. Yeah, it was, not that oh god it's a soap isn't it but you need drama don't you and there hasn't i fear for characters that i love being written out of it but i think i would have probably taken one of this bunch just for the sake of a dramatic storyline oh what is your is your theory that every soap opera there's a certain amount of uh, a certain amount of blood has to be let to sort of satiate the soap gods. So there's, you know, a Nigel has to fall off a roof. It's like, you know, exactly. it's, the, it's the, the sacrifice at the top of the pyramid. And you, you would, you would, even if you don't have anything against David and Ruth, you want it to be spent on this family rather than um, uh, uh, a miscarriage from Fallon or uh, uh, God, even worse, Jim, Jim having a massive stroke and leaving us. Yeah. And Joe Grundy, there's nothing that could be done there. I found that quite sad when he went, but obviously... That, that was, was well done, beyond, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was well done, and it was beyond their control, obviously. Maybe a lesson to be learnt for them there. You know, uh, actually, that's a we don't need to have a great big hoopla. People can die in a kind of natural, a natural off mic way. But anyway, so, 
Does that mean that everyone will always be on the archers until they die in real life? <laughs> or, or, no, no. Well, just just that they don't need to. If they want to get rid of someone, they can do it in a kind of more realistic way. They don't need to create great big sort of dramatic plot lines for everything, you know. Well, they did that with Bert. I mean, the actor's still toddling along, as far as I know. And I think he was probably getting quite excited when he saw that his poetry was going to be featured in The Harvest Supper. <laughs> and then he was going to be in The Bull. I wonder if they sent him the scripts. And then he was like, I, I don't seem to be in here. Well, if the actor doesn't like the poetry, imagine that years and years of having to trot out mediocre poetry. You sort of fundamentally disapprove of it. But oh, anyway. Who's in the danger stream in The Archers? I, you said Fallon. I worry about Harrison. I mean, he's not, he's not exactly in high-speed car chases. Do we have to look for logical deaths or is these, these are people who would be who, because basically what you need is someone who's high ticket enough to cause a stir in the audience. So Nigel's a good example, right? Nigel was a big enough character that um, it's going to really put the cat amongst the pigeons, but not a big enough character that it's going to cause kind of like, you know, he was in one corner of the village. So it didn't have like a kind of domino effect through, uh, how they have to write ongoing plots. Like they could just mm. get rid of him and then it's just Lizzie and her, that family that have to deal with it. So I think you'd be looking at your, like you said, a Harrison. Um, who else? Oh, how about Alistair? Alistair, yeah. Yeah, Silver Blaze-esque Sherlock Holmes could happen. They've just boosted him and given him a, you know, they've just given him a goodbye kebab. So maybe that's well, that, it. that might be what finishes him off. Exactly. <laughs> Who's to say the kebab shop didn't use the deer that... Um, it's probably a mysterious venison kebab since David and Ruth from David and Ruth Roadkill. Jacob using all of his horse knowledge to try and um, stem the sort of the Stygian flow of um, diarrhea from a, a rapidly diminishing and dying Alistair dies in Jacob's uh, arms. And then Jacob's just like, oh, well, okay, can we do this paperwork, Denise? How inconvenient. <laughs> Denise, <laughs> will you please clear up Alistair? What, what were the um did you catch did you catch all the takeaway options so alistair had a kebab ben had crispy pancakes ruth had chow mein pip had a dal josh had paneer but it did seem somebody was having fish and chips because salt and vinegar were out as well so i'm i'm reckon leonard jill and david had fish, and, had chips fish and chips and played it it was what you mean. It was a Leonard was extraordinarily likable this week, wasn't he? He's always likable, but just um, yeah, he was lovely that? throughout the whole thing. When we were sort of writing some very rough notes for what we might talk about today, which is you know, ah, oh, <laughs> should we call it a method? Um, <laughs> I think I I think I wrote that um, Pip and Josh were strangely likable with this week because they are you know normally. Normally they're quite, you know, antagonizing characters, but this week compared to everyone else, they were incredibly, you know, they're very, very gratefully received. But um, maybe that's the truth for Leonard. It's kind of like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a trick of the eye because you never see him without Jill or Ruth or David around. Maybe it distorts how lovable he actually is. He's had a few little highlights, hasn't he? I mean, I felt a bit sorry for him with the living board game pitch last week. And obviously there was the whole thing where he was he gave Ben the gift of the time capsule. That was him operating on his own. But he, he was the glue that was holding it all together a bit this week, wasn't he? Making French toast, making fry-ups. Obviously there's an opening for Uber Eats or Deliveroo in Borsetshire because the poor bastard had to drive around about eight takeaways to pick up all the all their We assume it's Rex, don't you? 
he seems to be he seems to do every every one of those jobs yeah well i guess i mean if there was a new breach rex would probably lean on them wouldn't he a bit because he he certainly didn't like eddie driving around in the limo so he'd probably get his heavies in yeah rex i mean rex uh we've already seen it. he does have a temper once it goes yeah rex and um uh why have i toby are on an extended holiday somewhere aren't they they've yeah. chosen to go away and we just don't know we haven't heard where he, Toby was back very briefly in the bar, wasn't he? Um, but back to your back to your list of characters, we worry about leaving. I, I, you know, I, I mean, my Nigel, because I wasn't upset when Nigel died. Like I just didn't give a monkey. So it was just like, oh, okay, that annoying fop's gone. Um, it was pretty much how I felt about it. Um, but you know, Russ, Toby. I think uh, I think um, my aunt has just turned the podcast off at that point. <laughs> I think she well, considered giving uh, up listening to the archers after Nigel after David shoved Nigel off the roof. I do, I do you know, I mean, it's it's horses, of course, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I, I didn't, I didn't dislike him, but I, I certainly found the kind of the the backlash against the BBC, the archers team, a bit a bit out of proportion to you know how how I loved the character. But I, but I would be like your, I'd be like your auntie. Um, it would if it if they got rid of um, Russ or Toby or for you it would be Jim Fallon um, some of these some of these characters Lillian slid down the pecking order for me I'm now in Kerry territory um, about Lillian but yeah if they got rid of Russ or Toby I'd be like oh, okay anyway to your point they to, where are they and let's have them back for it please and it would have been obvious for it would have been a good time to ha- have um, Rex pop up and Toby pop up to help out with everything that was going on with. Um, What's the chops? What's the name? What's the kid's name again? Rosie. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. She sounds by far the most interesting out of all of the family, doesn't she? She's got a kind of a a wrestling character persona routine that she's already got, which was yeah. Was she called the Burp Bomber, who seems to just walk around <laughs> with a with her ass stuck out doing fart noises? I was like, give her the farm. I mean, this is the best thing about having a toddler is that you don't have to um, hide your. Uh, poo and fart based humor under a under a bushel you can get out and proud <laughs> about it um this whole thing with iris casey when she dropped in to to see if david and ruth had clocked whether it was vince that had cut the brakes they have this scene now where leonard and iris bond over bond's eyes jill is definitely je- uh, jealous you can tell from the comments she's making, but then she tries to gaslight everyone afterwards by saying, oh dear, I never meant that. And I didn't mean it like, you know, but everything that she said, you know, I'm, and I'm Jill, Leonard's friend. And then mentioning to Beth, I don't think she could have sat any closer mm. if she tried. And then when it, when she was challenged on it, she was like, no, no, I never meant any of that. And I was like, yeah, did you though? I think you did. Well, she did. She did kind of fess up to it a little bit when Beth I felt quite unrealistically confronted her. No, that bit where Beth said, "Yeah, I think you did mean to be rude." I was like, "You wouldn't talk to someone like that." Yeah, it was just very, very weird the way that she did call Jill out. You wouldn't call out your boyfriend's fairly recent boyfriend's grandmother on uh, on her being jealous, you know, with your quite bossy, brassy, you know, gran. I don't think you would. Anyway, no. Particularly when she just asked, asked you to hand over a flapjack. You never know what could happen next. Um, Kerry, if you're listening, I hope you appreciated my little bit of um, pedantry there. Um, you're not, you know, you're lost but not forgotten this week. Um, I was you know, 
keeping an eye on some details for you there. Um, maybe that, maybe I think that might have been the kind of comment Kerry would have made. Um, have, you, have you got any bonsais around the house? Yeah, Kerry, if you uh, if you don't agree, please call in um, uh, <laughs> or <laughs> send us an email. Hello at thesidershed.com. Um <laughs> I wonder if she will listen, Matthew. That's the thing. She will, of course. Will she? Yeah. Yes. She'll listen, yeah. Well, she'll hear that. Um, presumably, you'll send her the edit. No, we, yeah, but we should do a Wagatha Christie to test her, see if she um, does listen or not. Yeah, yeah we can do know, that. Like Rebecca Vardy. So, um, yes. uh, pomegranate, Kerry. Pomegranate. That's the that's the test word. Um, please send us that on the WhatsApp DMs. Um, this is like uh, Van Halen and the Green M and M, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just is that? Did, I, I'm, I'm guessing that's that. Was that then? Was that their way of testing that the M and M's had been separated as requested on their rider? No, it was. Apparently, they got to the point in the '80s where quite often stagehands, crews, and sometimes even band members themselves were damaged by like rigging, uh, stage setups, etc. I mean, Curtis Mayfield was hit by a lighting rig, wasn't he? That paralysed yeah. him. So they had an entire brief legal document that was really thick pages of A4 that, every, that they demanded that every venue and every production company read before they put on a Van Halen show. And one thing they put right in the middle of the document was there'll be an enormous glass bowl backstage of M&Ms, but all green M&Ms have to be removed. And they knew that if the green M&Ms hadn't been removed, that the people hadn't read the document from from cover to cover i had i had heard that but i uh, i completely thank you for reminding me i completely forgotten about that that's really cool isn't it yeah david lee roth said after that the rumor was always that they would trash a place if they found green m&ms and he said no he said we did get angry quite a few times if we saw the green m&ms and knew that they hadn't read it he said but why let the truth get in the way of a good story the wag wag of the christie is one of the all-time great um you know it's a copywriting isn't it it's like um didn't uh, she block out everyone from her instagram except rebecca vardy in the end and then knew that was where she was getting the stories from you did it gradually over a series of months she would release snippets of information to a gradually reducing pool of people and eventually it was just to rebecca vardy and that's how she that's and she did her it, on the fact that she she claimed to have flooding in the basement and then rebecca vardy Pass that on to the Sunday people or something. She has had three children, Matthew. I mean, it's um, <laughs> <laughs> it's more than likely. But, oh, sorry, it's pathetic. I'm such a, such a pathetic. Um, so way back there, where you were making your Kerry um, setup, yeah, I asked, "Do you have a bonsai? Yes or no? Or have oh, you ever yes. had one?" Uh, yeah, I was too busy. I was too busy um, poking the bear, wasn't I? Um, uh, I? I would really, really love to get into bonsai i think it looks absolutely fascinating there is a tiny kind of squeamishness for um you know distorting nature like that for your own but then we you know but then we all live in great big concrete houses plonked on top of nature don't we so maybe that's um maybe maybe it's the proximity and the immediacy of it that makes me squeamish but no i would love to get into it um but it's one of those things that i know you need to do you need to be quite patient and also quite um on it and I am neither patient nor on it. Yeah, we had, well, my flatmate, I had one. My flatmate in Brazil had a few, but he was forever taking it round to the bonsai clinic round the corner and dropping, like, the guts of, I don't know, the equivalent of, like, £100, getting this guy to save its life, which just yeah. seemed in the end. as like. But what did you think about the comparison Leonard had to kind of make the decision 
not so much with Iris, but it was also almost like his love of bonsais versus versus his love of Jill in the end, I think. I would have thought he's the bonsai. He's the one whose roots, his nutrients have been cut off, limiting him and controlling him and leaving him, you know, um, grateful for this meager sustenance that is provided. I was going to say, you know, when he has to weigh up his options, you know, one's a spindly diminutive organism that leads, needs like the right blend of humidity to stay moist. And the other one is <laughs> <laughs> RIP Barry Cryer, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he, he, um, his eulogies have been very, one of the, I, I mean, I always enjoy the eulogies when they when the stories come out about what a nice person someone was, and you start to see all the you know the tales of all the small kindnesses that they were bestowed on other people. That's always a very nice little, very telling, you know, side uh, side effect. Is you know, it's it, it, rather than rather than going on and on about their personal their professional achievements, everyone's talking about what an amazing mensch he was, and you know how good he, how what a good man he was to be around, and what a you know good mentor. Um, but yeah, I, I um, would I yeah, I'd much rather have. I mean, ironically, um, Iris is the big. To extend your analogy, Iris is the big flourishing, uh, flowering um, oak with uh, thick, warm um, boughs. You know, to cool you in the uh, cool you from the, the the harsh sunlight and to you know relax in relax under on a summer's day. Whereas Jill is, as you said, a spindly, gnarled little sort of you know wizened creature emotionally. So, okay. Was that what you were saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, it was just for the sake of a cheap joke, really. But yeah. well, yes, but but you know, but this is this is this is the problem, um, Matthew. There's no Kerry to leaven us, so the the extremes of our personalities are playing out here. There's you, there's me, ever pretentious, always looking for some opportunity to waffle on in a kind of uh, self indulgent fashion, and there's you desperately trying to crowbar in puns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, gags, yeah. I was I was going to ask if you've ever taken a proper walk up to Badger's Bank, but uh, uh, hold off on that. No, no time for Badger's Banks at the moment. It's all you know. This is you know having a two and a half year old reduces I, re- reduces opportunities for Badger's Banks. I'm afraid. Yeah, I did think it was strange the way David said like he wasn't going to be able to take a walk up to Badger's Bank. Um, he was instead just going to be confined to the laptop. And it's like, that's exactly when I do take a walk up. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> when I'm stuck in bed with a yeah, laptop. You know, the technology makes Badger's Banks a lot more, a lot easier <laughs> with the program. Is there another warning going to be on this show this week? I don't think no, so. No, no, I didn't. Oh, yeah, what did you think when you heard my warning? Did you think it was appropriate? I think it was all right. I think, think it was probably justified, yeah. Was yeah, okay. that, I, mean, I think, you know. It was when I did the edit, there was about five minutes solid of jizz talk. Um, and I was yeah. like, yeah, that may be a warning on that one. That was... Uh, well, the problem, yeah. yeah, I mean, the thing with putting a warning in like that as well, isn't it? It's like uh, American TV when the Rolling Stones went on the Ed Sullivan show and did Let's Spend the Night Together. And they asked them not to sing the line, trying to make some girl. So they bleeped out make. And everyone else thought he'd obviously said fuck, which gave them a lot more publicity in the States. Because you know, if you if you bleep out "make," then you're not going to think it was "make" this girl that was bleeped out, are you? <laughs> Especially, yeah. The uh, the the one I really like from that for that is um, Joey Deacon, very much our era from the, I think it was the early '80s. Yes. When um, one like two schools, like I think in Doncaster or somewhere like that, I think it was up north, um, they had been making fun of Joey Deacon, and then Simon Green went and um, said very somberly on air. 
Uh, we've heard that some people have been making fun of Joey. Um, and we just like to say we don't think it's right and it should stop. And suddenly a local problem was nationalized overnight. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we grew up in the era of the Joey Deacon. Um, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's really bad. Yeah. That what, what they did there was they just, they were really counting on school children to be, to have empathy and to be considerate and kind. And I teach school children. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah i this is it does terrify me we, you and i are going to have to have a chat off air about um you're going to have to help me um calm down about worrying about sending my wee boy off to school it does terrify me that you know that there's going to be 10 years of him potentially coming home in tears from some kind of unkindness that he's he's endured or he's been the one inflicting the unkindnesses even worse but um come on there must be a segue we can, we can do from that uh do there matthew uh cruel unkindnesses from children back to uh, back to brookfield uh, maybe rosie oh sibling rivalries pip and um pip and uh, uh what, what did i call them pish and jop pish and jop yeah it last week it was them going at each other um uh, determined to sort of um score cheap points and argue about you know who was top sibling and this week um you know uh, they were both wartime generals they rose to the opportunity and rose at the opportunity and showed you know what they were made of yeah they were while ruth and david were off at the party they had trouble with a block drain in heavy weather didn't they which a lot of people yeah. were speculating on twitter might be stefan still plugged down one of the uh one of the holes in the drain since the flood at Ambridge, possibly Rob bumped him off. But a few other forensic people have gone back and said that Stefan, even though he disappeared, has been referenced in passing since he returned, was kicking up trouble for Rob and Justin, and then he disappeared again. So I don't think Stefan is down the drain. All the big Stefan fans out there can rest easy then. Yeah, all this, the Steph stands. They yeah. Can all, they can all cool down. Yeah, apparently he's still out there in the shadows. Um, they pulled together. Obviously, they were at each other's throat on Sunday. They're brought together by the accident. And it was just a slow plodding coming together, wasn't it? And it ends with oh. them. I mean, I like there was a lot of nice crackling f fire sounds this week, which I particularly liked. Uh, they found themselves just eating curry and sharing a beer. Um, yeah. I mean, Josh, I, I do balk slightly at this Josh being a, an entrepreneurial figure when in fact he just has a bunch of laying hens on his parents' property. I'm not trying to contradict you, but Pip did point out that, that she's done none of that. She has just uh, followed the, you know, the path laid out for her by her parents. And he, you know, so if he is trapped by his desire to stay on the farm, work on the farm and be part of the family business, how, how far, how entrepreneurial can he be without kind of brining, uh, uh, you know, sort of liters of toxic material into the ground or kind of, you know, I don't know, uh, building building stuff without his parents' permission. I mean, he's kind of limited by his surroundings to some extent. But I do, I very much take your point. It is a bit overplayed, isn't it? He's like the Alan Sugar of Ambridge, the way they talk about it. Yeah, I mean, he's been through his dodgy farm equipment phase and then doing a runner to Asia when the shit hit the fan with that. Oh, I guess him. Pip, yeah, I mean, Pip has... She's towed the line a bit more, hasn't she? Maybe that's more out of necessity than anything else. And mm. she did throw a spanner in the works with the rewilding as well, though, didn't she? Yeah. Which seemed, seemed to be on a almost on a bit of a 
um, almost vindictive when she did that, I think. And she wasn't quite ready for the fact that Rex and Phoebe were like, okay, draw up a different contract and we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, that that did sort of finish her transition from kind of excitable young adult um, farmer kind of like trying on her mum's shoes, kind of like excitable, you know, like her transition to adulthood. She she then it kind of like it set her personality. And I think for a lot of it'll take a lot. I mean, obviously, that it doesn't mean she's set like that forever because it's the archers, right? They'll change, they'll change a character overnight if they want to. But um, for the time being, it has made her a kind of slightly awkward, slightly self-involved person in in the in the eyes of the um, in, in the eyes of the listeners and the community. So, I mean, I yeah, maybe this week is slightly. Done, has done a little bit to, to push back on that, shown a slightly warmer side to her. I don't know. Yeah, and there was a little bit of... I felt sorry for her for a bit where it was the talk about whether she would actually find a partner as well. And she said that, you know, who's going to want to marry a single mother farmer, which I thought was a bit... It was quite self-deprecating at that point, wasn't it? You don't normally get to hear her very much like that. She's normally projecting, and she was uh, quite inward-looking at that moment. I, I always get surprised when they're described physically. Like it, I don't really think of them physically. So, but so I take it I have to wait for cues to. I know that you know for you Fallon is hot, right? Because you know you 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 have a bit of a thing for the character and the, the, the you know the actress's voice and all this sort of stuff. Is that controversial? I don't feel it is. No, that's fine. Uh, but at times I've actually quite liked Pip's voice as well. But I've been I've been hounded off Twitter for saying that. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, Elizabeth's got an amazing voice, right? So if we're talking about like sexy voices, Elizabeth, I think, has a quite a sexy voice. If a little bit too posh for me, but anyway, you know, whatever. Did Did you like her when she was a bit more a bit more street on that audio I sent you in the week from one of our English textbooks? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's you know, that's the, that's the stuff. That's that's worth the Badger's Bank uh, trip to Badger's Bank. Um, but uh, <laughs> Matthew sends us. Um, I think we've mentioned this before, but for those who don't know, Matthew does uses a lot of language tapes in his teaching, and and it, it must be produced in Birmingham by the same production team, Matthew. Well, we've got Brian regularly, yeah. we've got Elizabeth regularly, and David. David, even to the point where he plays himself in one of them, where he describes what it's like to be a voice actor, but he's playing characters a lot in there as well. I'm pretty sure... Who is, oh, Linda's popped up a couple of times doing kind of northern accents. You said that she's on Postman Pat a fair bit these days, isn't she? Uh, yeah, in the- uh, she's on the new Pat. Actually, Matthew, uh, what I'll do is I think we're allowed to use it from copyright purposes, from a copyright point of view, seeing as it's review, but I will pop in the clip you sent us this week so people can hear exactly what we're talking about. Anyway, it's quite, it's, um, it, obviously they have other jobs. We talk, we talk to several of the actors, but it is always, um, weirdly fun to hear them out of context. One. Have you ever bought something that you've never worn? <laughs> yes, hasn't everyone? I remember some trousers I bought that I never wore. What was the problem with them? <laughs> they were very tight black leather trousers that I bought from a second-hand shop near Portobello Road when I was about 20 years old. Have you seen the Uber Eats ad with the girl on the sofa that goes through a series of costume changes? Maybe. That's Pip or oh. Daisy Bad Daisy yeah. Badger, as she's known in real life. Well that's the that's the actress, isn't it? Ah, so now you're getting into interesting territory because the BBC 
publishes photos of the actors dressed as the characters. So we've gone beyond the point of saying, well, they might not. I know that um, Kerry has that thing where she thinks that uh, Tracy looks very different to Susie Ritz, doesn't she? Um, I'm with I'm 100 percent with Kerry on this. I don't care what I don't care what publicity photos they release. I don't care mm. what um, the actors. I mean, let's put it this way: Russ does not look anything like Andonis. Um, uh, Andonis has done a very very poor job of looking like Russ. Andonis, if you listen to this, <laughs> we will accept your apology in um, triplicate uh, email, whatever, however you want to send it. But yeah, he he he's a, he does a fantastic job of playing Russ in all ways, except for looking like Russ, to my mind. I think you can turn off what they look like if you want. That's absolutely fine. I find that once I've seen the photo, I find it quite hard to not see them like that. But characters like Jim, for example, I always imagine something slightly different in my head when he's talking as to when he's uh, when I'm looking at that photo of him on the BBC. But yeah, mm. I mean, all right, so you don't want to imagine... I mean, what you're describing Pip as in your head is what Hannah's press shot looks like. Do you remember Hannah, by the way? She's oh. she's just disappeared. She went into a pig pen about um, 36 months ago and we've assume, never heard from her again. Assume she'll, you assume she'll come back because she gets the occasional mention, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, she gets... Do you seem like... I mean, obviously, she was supposed to be... She was supposed to reawaken Jazz's, you know, dormant romance. Her last major storyline was being a friend with benefits for Tom when he met yeah. Natasha, and they had that awkward crossover. That was a, anyway. Yeah. Oh, don't remind me. That was. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Peter. You're right there. You went. You went for a minute. I'm lost for words. I just the thought of the thought of anyone wanting to have sex with Tom is just so bizarre. But anyway, I guess people do. Multiple people. Anyway, never mind. I'll I'll, I'll just have to get past that. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, Matthew. Uh, yeah, no, I just basically, basically, yes, if you're, if you, it, it, I, I just don't know, I just don't know. I, I mean, Pip's personality is not enough to have people queuing up at the gate. She's going to have to be pretty damn hot to get people to overlook, um, you know, uh, you know, just imagine going on a date with Pip, you know, so it's like, oh, you're ordering that, are you? Mm, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like this restaurant. Uh, this isn't very good. Have I told you about my daughter? No. Mm, well, you know, I have got a daughter. You can, how are you going to deal with that? Like, it'd just be all about her criticizing, hectoring, nagging before you've even, you know, before you've even finished a, a couple of nights together. You'd, you'd, anyway, that's, a, that's No, you just think that she'd send any potential suitors packing. Yeah, exactly. She put them off before, uh, you know, in very short order, which is my suspicion. Yeah, that's what she's saying about herself anyway, isn't it? But not for those reasons. No. She's thinking that it would just be her social situation and her job. I don't know. Maybe it's someone within the village. Maybe it's someone we already know. Maybe it's Rex. Well, Rex, yeah, it's messy, isn't it? But Correlation is not causation, Pip. The fact that you've worked out why that you are unattractive, but you, but you haven't actually worked out why you're unattractive. That's the that's the next step. She's in a... I mean, Peter, at this point, we should probably say that if any of our listeners would be interested in dating Pip, how would they get in touch with us? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, hello at the cidershed.com is our email address. Um, I, do you know, I, this is, this is part, this is part of the show that I've just parked is, as Carrie and Matthew's problem. Cause I always yeah. say, you know, I always ask that question. So if, if you would then want to ask me about Twitter and such like, I have no idea. So, well, it, Twitter's been um, a very very shared space this week, hasn't it? With Kerry off in Seville, yeah. 
and so uh, me and Peter have hopped in and out of there. In Strongly and... moaning on Twitter. I don't know how Ker- Kerry keeps up her. Yeah, I just went in and I just went in, dropped a few bombs, <laughs> and just got out again because it was in between classes. And then like students were starting to talk to me while I was like doing the tweet along. Um, I wasn't working at that moment. So yeah, if they want to get in touch on Twitter, we are at the Cider Shed Pod. That is also our Instagram, where you can see what we're posting up there, and also you can DM us there. And we have a Facebook group, which is called The Cider Shed Podcast. So that's the Facebook group, and you can comment on there, post on there, and you can also DM us there as well. Mm. So, Matthew, this week's been a big old rambly waffle. Um, What, this or the archers? This. This has been uh, mainly my fault, but I think... As I say, very often we take our lead from the show. So I feel like there is tonally, it's quite sort of true to, to the, you know, our, our podcast is often very true tonally or editorially to the um, content that we're reviewing. Yeah. So you're basically saying if the archers was shit, then this will be shit. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, so uh, <laughs> don't blame us is all I'm saying. Um, yeah. I, I think the first time me and Kerry did one together, We'd had a real stinker of a week oh, as well. I remember that. The I was over the moon to be away that week. It was. I a can't real... remember what happened, but there was just a, for the most of the podcast, we were just like, "Well, what do you expect? What can we do about it?" So, I mean, because the thing is, is it is a lot of fun doing the podcast, but obviously, it is fairly is every week, so you know, it does sort of like it, it. It does limit your movement a little bit, so it's quite nice to have a week off. But when it dovetails with a terrible week of the archers, my god, that's a that's a happy feeling. So uh, you've done well, Kerry. Kerry, I hope you've enjoyed your break and all the tapas in Seville. Well, not literally. Well, might have been all the tapas in Seville. I've seen the photos. <laughs> um, and yeah, she'll be back with us here next week. Yeah. And we will, I think we should put up one of the more representative photos on our Twitter feed as well, uh, just so that people can see the the legs of um, pig that we were talking about earlier on. And thank you very much, Matthew. Always a pleasure. Um, and have you got a nice weekend planned? Yeah, out for out for dinner tonight, back in work tomorrow, and then planning very little for the rest of it. Lovely. Well, you enjoy that. Um, I'm going to have fondue and then try and relax. So, uh, yeah, see you all next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Hang on.